Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. All right, hey everybody, we are talking about the 1978 film Laser Blast, starring Kim Milford and Cheryl Smith, directed by Michael Ray. Uh, Jesse, you've you've seen this movie how many times? You like too many count. Like I've had it just, just like playing background, like I don't know, like a Pink Floyd album sometimes. Background music and shit. I love it. I love the lines. I love like little quotes. This movie is is truly um, awful. It, it looks like um, the first thing somebody would do right out of film school if they thought they were awesome, but they totally <laughs> weren't. <laughs> this is this is the kind of film that I would make if I was going to make a film. Um, I mean, it's not far from it. It's like uh, the guy who directed it, uh, like shit. He only directed this, I think, and like maybe a short film. Yeah, so Michael Ray was the director. Uh, this was his first director credit. Uh, he's got one other credit that I was able to find on IMDb. He's listed as one of nine directors for the 2005 film Aliens Gone Wild, which we totally need to do a podcast uh, yeah. episode about. That's got great like cover art. Yeah, yeah. So we we we're definitely gonna look at that one uh, later on. I couldn't find anything else about the guy. Oh man, he was a stunt guy. Was he? Yeah. Oh man, like that's where like in movie like they just want to blow the shit up out of cars. Yeah. Spoiler. But yeah, like he's he's total stunt guy. He uh, he used to drive people to and from sets. And they're like, uh, Charles Band's like, hey man, you want to direct a movie? And <laughs> yeah, dude, man, give me yeah. Yeah, Charles Band uh, and Larry Carroll produced this. Charles Band, of course, uh, owns uh, Full Moon Features, the production company, which I think he's just going to be an endless supply of material for this podcast. Him and his dad, man. Yeah. Larry Carroll, on the other hand, has some serious cred when it comes to production. Uh, Larry Carroll, of course, uh, worked on Stargate SG-1, The Hills Have Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. He was also a writer for some of the best cartoons ever made. Uh, He wrote for She-Ra, Princess of Power. He wrote for Thundercats. He wrote for G.I. Joe and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This guy uh, is responsible for uh, a lot of what's messed up about my childhood. Yeah, like all those like really episodic like 70s and 80s cartoons. Yeah, Yeah. they're nightmare fuel in retrospect. Yeah, there's a lot of connections uh, between this movie and cartoons, uh, oh, as, as oh, we're gonna God. gonna get into here in a little bit. Oh yeah. Written by Franny Schacht and Frank Pirelli. Frank Pirelli ended up uh, working primarily as a character actor in a bunch of films. The other writer appears in the film as the sheriff's secretary, and this yeah. is the only thing she ever worked on, as far as I know. <laughs> I think uh, I think she learned pretty quickly that uh, writing a screenplay wasn't what she uh, was there for. So, no, no. Um, as far as the cast, Kim Milford, uh, a lot of the cast of this movie's dead. Um, 
Oh yeah. You know, the movie's not that old, uh, 1978, not too long ago. Uh, yeah. But a lot of the cast is dead. Kim Milford, who plays Billy, and he's got a number of credits in just plain old crappy films. Uh, oh, oh, man. Uh, he was in Corvette Summer with, like, uh, Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, <laughs> he, he apparently had some pretty decent success on stage, uh, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was in the original cast of Hair uh, and Jesus Christ Superstar. And he was the original Rocky from the yeah, Rocky uh, Horror Show. He kept that hair, didn't he? He did. He did. <laughs> I mean, it was like, uh, I think Rocky Horror Show was 1975 and this was 1978. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He did LA and New York, like both casts. Like he was all over the place. Right. Of course, he died from a heart attack uh, in 1988. Uh, Cheryl yeah. Smith, who played his girlfriend, Kathy, um, also departed. Uh, she played in a bunch of B-movies. Oh, yeah. She's a B-movie queen. Yeah. She was also the drummer for um, The Runaways with Joan Jett. Was she the one that like got kicked out or whatever? Or she was like, I know she was like in those uh, like Cheech and Chong movies and stuff. She, she was. Yeah, she she uh, did perform briefly with Joan Jett as her drummer after the Runaways broke up. Probably best known for the 1973 low budget vampire film Lamora. She, uh, she played Veronica Lake in uh, Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid. Okay. It was uncredited. And then uh, she passed away due to complications to uh, hepatitis. Then we've got our Laurel and Hardy duo. Uh, Deputy Pete Unger, played by Dennis Berkeley. I love that guy. He's a hero of mine. He's great. He's great. Apparently, he, uh, anytime anybody needed a biker, he was oh, their yeah. go-to guy. Oh, man, in 70s and 80s, every TV show. He, it, like, it, it'd be like on the same night on different channels playing the same exact role and oh man talk about cartoon voice work all over king of the hill home improvement uh he played theo and son-in-law man there's this one role he was in uh, suburban commando which is a really crappy movie uh with like hulk hogan like where he's an alien or something <laughs> and he had, like about to bust him up in the driveway you know and he's like you know oh man this is the 90s we, we sue you it's perfectly all that's fantastic no he has the best lines in this movie also he really does he does he he plays a a good straight man to barry cutler who was uh, deputy jesse jeep this was his film debut as well he went on to uh become a modestly successful character actor in the 80s and 90s Nothing yeah. really jumped out at me that he worked on, but but they made a good duo in this film. I say he played a zombie and something, but I'm probably wrong. Uh, the, maybe I I don't know. Uh, you know the Men in Black guy that's in the movie? Oh I, yeah 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 yeah. That's Johnny Russo. Yeah, Craig. Okay. He uh just total tight cast as like a wise guy. Yeah, um, yeah. And honestly, I don't know why he did this movie, because just a year or two before, he was in The Godfather. I know, man. The same Godfather guy. 2. It was like in all of them. Yeah. It was the whole thing. He was the whole reason for the horse head and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he does these does these huge budget blockbuster films and then let's go on to make what is the equivalent of a student film uh, just schlock fest. <laughs> well, he kept on doing it because, like, later on, like, he was in, uh, 
You want to also in Stay Tuned, which is like kind of a crappy movie. He was the mafia guy in that, and like uh, he was in uh, The Fresh with uh, Matthew Broderick, and uh, and then like two years after that or a year after that, he was in the Super Mario Brothers as like the head mafia dude in that movie. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah. he just picked his part and went wherever that part yeah. was. I guess this was also the screen debut of Eddie Deason, who plays Froggy. The uh, D. <laughs> he uh, uh now before he made this film he actually made grease but laser blast came out first so this was his screen debut also played in uh rock and roll high school and meatballs yeah. moving violation uh big cartoon voice actor uh he was in dexter's lab yeah he was, yeah. Uh, he was the voice of mandark dexter's yeah. nemesis <laughs> Um, he also apparently got beat out for the role of Roger Rabbit. Um, I think that would have been a very different Roger Rabbit with him. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> It'd been more like chilling. It'd probably been like a little like He's also a meme. He's, he's what? A, he's a meme. He's a, he's the know-it-all kid from Polar Express. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like creepy kid with the glasses. It's like turn around, you know? Yeah. That's him. Just for a little bit of flavor. We got uh, a couple seasoned actors on this cast. <laughs> Keenan Wynn, who plays the Colonel. Oh man, Keenan Wynn. Been playing. Uh, he played in just about every movie ever made from 1940 to 1986. Every movie, every TV show, every soap. It was just everything. He was in yeah. Goonies. Yeah, he was. He was. He's the the photo of Chester Cobblepot. Yep. Roddy Roddy McDowell added as <laughs> Doctor Mel. Uh, Dr. Because, Malone. Yeah. Tried to. Uh, I don't know. I think he gave the role a lot more respect than it ever really deserved. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what he's a doctor of, but he, he looks like, like, I don't know, he's like a doctor of Shakespeare or something. Every time he's in the lab. Yeah. It's he's holding shit to the light and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's really like, doing man this isn't fright night i don't know if he forgot how to ask uh forgot how to act without a monkey mask on or what that was but uh... i don't know i love him though <laughs> i think he's like you know he's like always got like stakes everywhere he goes he's super melodramatic in his role oh yeah it, and he's probably he was probably overacting it on purpose just because the role was so the the movie was so cheesy i mean oh i'm a scientist in a science fiction movie i'm gonna die <laughs> yeah that goes without saying if you are the scientist in a science fiction movie you're not going to be there for the entire shoot especially like if it's in the american southwest it seems like like all those scientists always get killed by like some kind of reptile or alien or reptile or a mummy every time <laughs> every time the mexican werewolves it's just you're a scientist in the southwest you're gonna die yeah i'm pretty horrible man you got the best or the best you got the worst one all right you want to break this movie down all right cool all right so this thing opens up with a green man carrying a giant gun stumbling through the desert being chased like by a spaceship of course of course <laughs> there's there's no other way to start the movie than with somebody being chased by a spaceship. The spaceship guy? Yeah. He's uh, one of the head artists on that. It's uh, D. Neal. Right. Who I, is husband with V. Neal, who also did makeup on the movie, who is like one of the hosts on that sci-fi channel 
makeup show. That, yeah, yeah, and she did makeup for a lot of majors. She did makeup for the Hunger Everything. Games. Uh, she did makeup for a lot of stuff. I mean, she's oh, yeah. top shelf when it comes to makeup artists. I love her. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. You can you can tell like in this movie when she did it because it seems like it like I don't know the skin popped. But yeah, yeah, just an ugly green dude just looks hungover in the desert with like a potato gun strapped to his arm. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> so running from the spaceship, he tries to hide behind some sagebrush, kind of like my cat does when he's yeah. trying to hide behind a dandelion uh, because <laughs> nobody will ever see him there. Oh, hell no. So the spaceship lands in the desert. This is where we get our first look at the aliens. Uh which oh, to man. me looks something like a cross between a long necked turtle and a plucked chicken. Dude, yeah. Oh, man. I know what they were going for, you know. What were like, they going for? I, it looks it looks like E.T. and kind of like Chewbacca. Like, it's like, a, like you know, kind of like a reptilian alien, but they wanted them big and menacing. Yeah. So, yep. like, their scales off. So, it's like, they look cool on models, but if you, like, stand it next to a human or something, it just looks like awful <laughs> it is it is bad it's really really bad and that body looks exactly like a plucked chicken they have a turkey for a butt they do it's like glazed and everything it's so <laughs> i'm glad most of the movie you just see them from like their shoulders upward that's then that's but the best time, way to see them yeah oh man and they don't have there's no like i, I don't know if it's before they thought like hey man people don't speak alien there's no translation w whenever they talk see and that actually made it better for me given the writing for the rest of this movie the alien dialogue was just gonna be horrible i mean it works in this yeah but it's just fun oh, first 12, 13 minutes, not, not, not a one word of whatever's going on. It's just that's true. You know, when they, uh, later on, when they uh, get told to turn around and go back, you know, uh, that whole that was a very long conversation of just a bunch of grunts and squeaks and and no idea what's really going on. But uh, I think if they had tried to put a dialogue that we could understand there, it would have been uh, a kind of a mork and mindy uh, or mork and orson conversation and, and i think it works better if we can't yeah. figure out what they're saying it sounds like a southern version of like charlie from peanuts like the peanuts gang like their teacher yep. but like really stuff yep. oh god <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like so the aliens find this guy and they shoot him they leave his gun and necklace behind hop into their spaceship and take off but not before some Somebody in a crop duster airplane flies over and sees them. Yeah. Which I didn't get. Did the airplane see them first and then scare them? Or they just were like really bad at their job? It's like, oh, there's like a nuclear, you know, missile laser launcher there in the ground. No, nah, guys, dead. We, we got this. We're getting in the truck. Let's, let's take off. That's exactly what happened. That has to be it. I mean, so uh, I, not to jump ahead too far, but based on yeah. events later in the movie, it's pretty clear they were supposed to take care of this and they completely screwed it up. It's, I didn't even think that. I didn't know. I didn't saw them. That plane was in another movie. They just, they suck at their job. <laughs> <laughs> These are like the worst alien bounty hunters ever. They are. <laughs> All right, in the very next scene, we see Billy losing a fight with his bed sheets. Uh, this <laughs> is the worst ever waking up. Uh, 
Now, I, I read some stuff online that tries to, to cover for this by saying maybe he was having a nightmare about the green man in the desert. No, no, this is just a terrible scene with a bad actor losing a fight with a sheet. Yeah, oh God, that bedroom, man. It's like Mary Bretton poster or something, and like uh, the worst bed ever, too. Like, good thing, because like he, he, like, he, he stage dives right off that bed. <laughs> yeah he does he, he didn't have but about uh 10 or 12 inches to fall but yeah just right out onto the floor that's the director's stunt background it's like oh man this kid's gonna injure himself we gotta take this down a foot yeah <laughs> he's so much of a pansy you know and those shorts man yeah oh yeah. god i mean that's 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 got 1970s written all over it there yeah oh god you can smell that room it's horrible so billy goes outside and we have probably the creepiest scene in the entire movie and he uh uh confronts his mother who is loading her luggage into the back of the station wagon oh yeah i don't know what the intention was here but this is just uh i think the intention was to sell samsonite suitcases because my parents had that same set <laughs> they usually came you know loaded with like i don't know amway or whatever but like yeah that's all i noticed is like oh man i got that same set and like there's something wrong with that lady if that's her son but just the way like, he's oh. looking at her you know he just yeah, sits down on the suitcase and looking up like some the boyfriend that she just broke up with except it's her son very yeah uh oedipus yeah definitely it's like a, yeah it's like a soap opera scene too yeah like the music's all weird and soft and it's like i don't know yeah and they just trudges it off back to his room yeah she's headed to acapulco because well they asked her to go to acapulco so why not um never really know what that's all about even though yeah. uh we get a hint about it later on uh, we never see his mom again she's gone and that's uh, supposed to set up, you know, this tragic hero of Billy, who is the the child abandoned by his single mom or whatever that is. And like, I, it's kind of implied that like she she's the rich one. It's not like she's going around with like all these like sugar daddies. It's, she's a sugar mama, and she's got like this army of boy toys that she just like gallivants across, you know, the world. Is it is it that, or is she just a really expensive call girl? Oh no, because like you know. Uh, the cop says later on, it's like, oh, it's all right, Billy. You don't have to worry about the speeding ticket. Your mom's got the money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I forgot about that. It's like his mom's got the money, yet they live in like this really weird cabin. Right, right. I don't, it's it's just weird. They got a nice station wagon, though. Yeah, it is. I, I think we had the same station wagon when I was a kid. So his mom leaves to go to Acapulco. Billy heads into town to pick up Kathy. And that's where we meet the colonel. The uh, Colonel. Kathy's grandfather, oh, played by Keenan Wynn, who, uh, well, suffering some first from some pretty serious PTSD, apparently. Oh, yeah. He, he really went all out on it. Yeah. Like, there's like another movie that's kind of like that with uh, Max Vance now or whatever the guy's name is. Uh, anyway, yeah, I love him in that movie. That's my favorite scene in the Mystery Science Theater version, that, that whole bit where he's just like, you know, trailing off about like secret conspiracy shit things yeah Many yeah, cherry more. point cherry, cherry point. point so i did some research jesse oh man uh, apparently 
He's referring to Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point in Havelock, North Carolina. And I tried to find out what's going on there. Um, Even the conspiracy websites don't have anything here. Uh, Havelock, North Carolina is a pretty uneventful place. Uh, Home to Havelock High School, which is four times AAA football champions. Havelock. That's kind of shady. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cherry Point is apparently haunted. I did find that out. Haunted by the ghost of Kissy Sykes. She was apparently buried on this site before it was a Marine Corps air station. Buried with her children before the base was built. Um and the grave was moved to make room for the flight line. And apparently her ghost wanders the base looking for her children. There's also the remains of a sunken German U-boat right off the coast of uh, Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point. Uh, apparently during World War II, the Germans had submarines all up and down uh, the East Coast. And they found one uh, not far from here. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, 1941 or whatever. And do we ever find out what Operation Sand Dust was? I think, it, yeah, I think it had something to do with Ange. Uh, but apparently it was uh, pretty traumatic for the colonel. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just like around in his pajamas and like his army coat. Yeah. And nothing else. Now you leave. You leave. You leave. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> like that's how you play crazy guys i'll just have sense everything half exactly yeah he's good at it though i mean oh, if yeah. you want somebody to play a senile old man keenan Wynn was the guy to do it or like a mean cowboy drunk or i mean anything like a uh, nosy reporter yep like there he was like what like 60 70 years old still playing like jimmy olsen on the spot with a camera <laughs> Love that guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. He adds uh, uh, just the right seasoning to these scenes. Like, so Billy, go ahead. No, no, like, no. I was going to say, I was about to talk shit about John Carradine. Go for it. <laughs> John Carradine sucks. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I, he's got that rep, you know. And I don't know if anybody knows who John Carradine is. Like, you know, Papa Carradine, like the first one. Uh, but yeah, no, Kenan Wynn, that's the, yeah, that's the champion. That's a man's man right there. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. All right, so Billy finally gets frustrated trying to reason with the colonel and gets back in his van and leaves. Uh, and he's got a crappy van, too. I like that van. It's just a, I mean, it's like a, um, like a delivery van that's been used up and there's nothing left for it. And, and they decided we can probably give somebody $25 to use this van for the weekend. And they took it. I got a theory about why they have those Bigfoot prints painted. Okay, let's hear it. It's to disguise like where they would hook the camera up on the side of the van when they did the road shots. Probably because it looks like there's uh, some kind of bracket right there on one of yeah. them. And I think they're using that van because they filmed this on like three weekends. Right. On like a credit card. And it's like they probably working <laughs> So anytime you see these road shots and stuff where they're taking it's they're using that van to film that shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's why Billy has a crappy van. <laughs> if he's like one of those vanner rats, you know. Yeah. I mean, if he had a nineteen seventies van that he was um, you know, living and partying in, that thing would have shag carpet up the walls and across the ceiling. Oh yeah. That that van looks like he's got like some rotor rooter equipment in the back or something. Exactly, exactly. He took some 
some plumber's old van for 25 bucks to let me use it for the weekend. That's exactly what that was. It has to be. All right. So from there, we cut to the pot smoking deputies. I don't know. It seemed like the, the power dynamics off. The little one's just stupid. It's, to me, it's like peeking the brain, but the brain's like stupid. <laughs> so, like even skinnier and stupider i don't know it's like they could have been like like they're making fun of all those cool comedy duos but it's it's like they're really watered down so they're like bill and ted yeah i mean it tries to be a um a laurel and hardy yeah they uh, try but it's it's pretty uh it's pretty rough for laurel and hardy i don't know man dennis berkeley everything he does in it is funny he knew what he was doing in this movie he like absolutely he, did. Like, he was a professional. It worked out okay. This is probably, these two are probably uh, the best parts of the movie as far as acting and writing goes. They're like R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah. They carry the, the people through the plot because it's really loose on everything. Like, when most of the time, when stuff's happening, you have no idea that stuff's happening until it gets to a point where those two cops are around a bunch of exposition and they're doing something stupid like eating tacos or smoking pot. Yep. And it's, yeah. So Deputy Younger asked Deputy Jeep why he's smoking the pot. And he said, well, it don't cost nothing. It don't cost nothing. <laughs> I'm kids over there. Yep, yep. And that, that reminds me, uh, you, you ever heard of Mike Armstrong, a stand-up uh, comedian? Yeah, I think I've heard of him. Yeah, he used to be, he was a retired cop and then went into stand-up comedy afterward. And he did a bit like this. He said, I had to quit smoking pot after I left the force because I didn't know it cost that much. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently they pulled Billy over for speeding. He flew by him at almost 45 miles an hour. So Yeah. <laughs> All right, come on, let's go pull him over. They pull Billy over and uh, Deputy Unger walks up and, and he's got to be the... The tough Southern cop sounds like a cop from Atlanta, even though he's in Arizona. I don't know. Yeah, this whole movie's like ge geographically, it's just all messed up. It really is. Yeah. Because you get like, you know, like Joshua Tree and then some parts of Chicago in one part. It's just <laughs> mess. Now we get another creepy reference like, to Billy's mom. How's your mama anyway? Yeah. <laughs> I bet he gets that line. Even the bullies, the cops, probably, you know, his own girlfriend is like, just that town is just all over that lady's money. Yeah. And creepy hips. And it, they just make it sound like she's a little too friendly with the fellas around there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they let Billy go. And as they pull out, cause a rollover crash. Who oh, didn't see that coming? With like old timey bar piano playing. <laughs> Like, uh, what's the, like, yeah, Charles Band and his dad, I think, or his brother did the, the themes, like they did the, the score to this whole movie. But I think that they just lifted it trying to be funny, like make it like a. Well, I read that they did the entire score for this film in like four or five days. Yeah. So this is the, it, the, the whole thing was slapped together from the very beginning. Yeah. Cut and paste movie. It was great. Next, Billy stops at a gas station to buy a Coke. And that's where we meet Chuck and Froggy. Oh, man. Uh, apparently, guy. driving around blowing the horn is absolutely hilarious. 
It is. It kind of reminds me of like uh, Ashland City before they got uh, like you know the third burger place or whatever back in the eighties. It's like you, that's all you did was like just go down to Sonic, turn around Sonic, <laughs> come back red, go <laughs> else, go back down to Sonic. It was a circuit race. So, yeah, they kind of got that old Americana. Hey, let's go blow up the gas station. Act, act a bunch of junk, like uh, jackasses at the uh, drugstore. So they challenged Billy to a race. Oh, dude, yeah. And Billy's up for it, too. Now, we got a big old convertible. I mean, that's a big old land barge of a convertible, too. And a cargo van. <laughs> now, and I think drag racing... My mind immediately goes to a cargo van. If you're going to drag race, you need to do it in a cargo van, right? Oh, yeah. Because if, if you don't, you know, if you're not going to win in a land race, you can at least, like, you know, fly like a kite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe in that way. I, that's how I learned to drive was, like, a big, like, Chevy Astro van. And, that, yeah, that poor kid, I don't know what he's, he's so delusional. Probably all the Coke he drinks. <laughs> Yeah, so but but Billy can't get the van to start, and Chuck and Froggy drive off. Maybe <laughs> that and was a did. terrible laugh. Oh my god, it was horrible. Yeah, so forced. He's oh man, he does the same thing when he's laughing in cartoons. Uh, also, what kind of dude is Billy when like Froggy's making fun of you? I know, I know. <laughs> How like, bad do you have to be for Froggy to be able to bust on you like that? Like, I get it, you know, everybody kind of shits on you because your mom's kind of, you know, a lush, but man. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I, I love Eddie Diesel. So Billy drives out to the desert, and this is where he finds the laser cannon. He finds the laser cannon when it shoots his Coke bottle. That's Yeah, that's some uh, one of those uh, deuce eggs mocking, because they, like movie lore in its own like lore that thing could not do that right i mean it never shows any other signs of of autonomy or, or self-defense any any other place uh yeah. it's just laying there tosses his coke bottle out there and it shoots his coke bottle this is what didn't make sense for me because you know billy picks up the gun and he starts trying to fire the gun he's playing pew pew with it uh but it won't fire Apparently, it yeah. can fire on its own, but it can't be fired by a person unless they know the secret. Man, gun control is wild in space, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, but Billy finds the pendant or necklace or whatever it is, or battery pack, trigger lock. I don't know what it was. Yeah. He shoots the cameraman, though, before he finds the necklace. He does. He looks right at the camera. <laughs> Gives the cameraman like a little grin and goes pow pow, and it's like they're doing a little dance out there. It's weird. Well, kind he's he's like a little six year old with a toy gun going pow pow yeah. pow 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 pow. Doom ran. You gotta fall down. I shot you. No, you didn't. You missed. I got space gun. But he finds the necklace and figures out how to shoot the gun. There's some pretty big continuity problems in this part of the movie. All over the fucking place. <laughs> everywhere so, so here's what i noticed at 19 minutes and 44 seconds billy's holding the pendant in his hand and shooting things and blowing stuff up yes sir yeah at that 20 minutes and four seconds he puts the pendant around his neck that doesn't fit it doesn't fit but he puts it on halfway around his head and then you kind of there's like a, like a soft cut or something then he pushes it down then he's on his neck the camera starts showing, starts shooting from behind him so that we can see stuff blow up while he's shooting it. Yeah. 
at that's, that's... 20 minutes and 18 seconds. And then at 20 minutes and 25 seconds, it cuts back to a shot of Billy and he's got the pendant in his hand shooting again. So, yeah. So as long as you got the gun and pendant, it works. But at the same time, as long as you got the uh, power of uh, like bad kung fu movie editing, you can get away with murder. Because, <laughs> yeah, they butchered the hell out of that scene. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of scenes in it, like the whole party scene. It seems like they filmed the whole, uh, not, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, so like he's having fun, blowing the hell out of the desert. Uh, I love, see, you can tell the stunt background because they do that thing where they, whenever they explode something, they got like six cameras. Right. From different angles. So they want to get the back lock on. And these are huge explosions for somebody shooting a dry sagebrush. Yeah. They packed the hell out of that with and they were just going wild i think probably half of their budget was spent on explosions and about three quarters of the explosion budget was spent right here in this one scene well that and this the exploding cars i think that was like leftovers like all right we exploded all those cars let's just go out to the desert and see what uh we pull up it's just like the guy had it like a purpose to make go and explode stuff and then like got two guys to like just bang out of scripts that allowed him to do that <laughs> i read that uh he was trying to make a star wars type movie no uh, right honestly i think he just wanted to blow stuff up is oh, all it was yeah. They saw a trailer for Star Wars. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, space. <laughs> I need more bikes send more cops. But there's no, there's no bald turkeys in Star Wars. There's now. All right. So the next scene, we meet Tony Craig, played by Johnny Russo. Johnny Russo. As he gooses the gas station attendant with his briefcase. Yeah. Also, uh, the guy is, like, way too sharp-dressed to be out in the desert. He looks right. like he's, yeah, like a casino uh, pit boss or, yeah, like a lounge act. He's yeah. definitely dressed like a mob guy. How many FBI agents wear a cummerbund? And driving that long black Cadillac. It is a good car. It's a nice looking car with those dark tinted. Yeah, dude, yeah. That was, that's not street legal. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I got shady mob FBI stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're on the wrong side of Miami Vice with that with those windows. So this is the next major continuity error that I found is when Tony Craig gets in the Cadillac and he rolls down the window uh, to pay the gas station attendant. And he's got his briefcase sitting open on the seat next to him. He gives the guy the money, the guy walks away, and then we see the camera cut to him popping the lock and opening the briefcase and he yeah. starts to reach into it but then closes it again the gas station attendant guy comes back and the suitcase or the briefcase is sitting open next to him on the car seat it's i don't like, know what's supposed to be in there i think they cut something out where like that was supposed to be like some kind of like maybe alien evidence and like the gas station attendant saw it and like He's like, you know, as a detective, got spooked and was like going to threaten him. But like, I, I don't think they knew what the aliens were going to look like and stuff. So they're like, we don't have pictures of it this early and crap, you know? So like here, yeah. so it's like some kind of weird MacGuffin was like, he's got like, you know, kind of like Pulp Fiction where there's something in that briefcase. There's something there, but we're never going to find out what it is. Yeah, because like... <laughs> Got in the in the a couple of scenes like in the in the cop station or whatever, and I'm gonna say cops. Uh, it's not a cop. It's like a cop shop. 
it's like a coffee shop like converted into a police station it almost it looks like they're in a janitor's office yeah that back where like yeah, yeah. Where the sheriff's sitting and stuff that is like yeah totally like just like some kind of like i don't know yeah I don't know what they what they were going for. But Tony drives off, and now we get a good look at his license plate, showing that he's from Washington, D.C. So apparently he's not with the mob. He's with the other mob. He's with the CIA. They, they're just all over with, like, like, they're like, uh, like I mean, it's a simple movie. You got, like, arc-type arc characters. Right. But when they have me examined, they're all over the place. Like, the colonel uh billy he's like you can't really pin him down he's like kind of like a surfer kid but he's kind of like kind of like a emo kid before they had that crap yeah and the next scene actually sets that up but you're right there was um there's a lot of stuff that seems like it was just thrown in there because okay here's our script and you know what else would be cool if we had something like this let's throw that in there Hey everybody, Mike McDonald here. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about our Patreon, where you can support this podcast for as little as $1 per episode. And when you make a pledge at any level, that money allows us to make donations to film schools all across the country. It's our way of giving a little something back to the great people who make the movies we enjoy so much. So go to patreon.com slash cdfpod and join at any level. No matter which level you choose, we think you're awesome for supporting the filmmakers of tomorrow. Patreon.com slash CDF pod. So the next scene shows Kathy riding out on her moped to meet Billy. And this is, like you said, this sets Billy up to be a kind of a James Dean rebel without a cause, dark and brooding loner. Also, she's dressed like a Cub Scout. Well, a Cub Scout that doesn't know where his shirt went. I don't know what thing. I guess he was trying to be like, what like when uh, they try to t- pass Tom Petty off as punk rock? <laughs> you just found like some Cub Scout thing in like a thrift store, didn't you? Uh, no, man, this is a style. All the chicks are dressed. Like so it looks like Billy's actually been living out here at this. Uh, this is uh, uh, some burned down house. All that's left is the foundation. Yeah, they say it's a campsite, but that <clears throat> is definitely a fire. That's some haunted like witch hut burnt down rust of the ground they got the chimney there there's like a nice picnic table also i i guess billy's like a bit of a romantic it's got candles sorted cheeses and stuff spread out on the table <laughs> like he's nowhere to be found but it's like it's got like he's setting up a lady in the tramp moment for him yeah like he gets some candles it's like 12 o'clock noon and there's candles exactly yeah it's crazy it i don't crazy. know what uh, what his plan was there but he's apparently ready for a nap right away he looks like a sleepy kid i don't know uh, he look, i don't know if, uh mr toad from the wind of the willows like if he was like i don't know some kind of date rapist is what he looks like <laughs> yeah kim milford is, is just the creepiest guy ever he'd have been great like in as in star wars as like when like makeup it's like some kind of toad assassin i would buy that yeah, as long as he didn't have to talk, he would have been fine. Oh, yeah. Okay, in our next scene, we get our first look at the alien ship from the inside. Nice. Star Trek, uh, what is it, the the pilot the pilot episode or whatever it was, the menagerie or whatever yeah. that was. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, like the TV screens are like overhead projectors that someone just like kind of throws up like a projector on. It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, Flash. At- 
26 minutes and 43 seconds, I had to stop it and look close. All the colored lights in that spaceship, Jesse, are light bright pegs. And they're just like moving in sequence, like all of them? They're all light bright pegs. They're not blinking or flashing or anything. They are light bright pegs. Man. Well, you know, <laughs> and then Al James Cameron, you know, made a spaceship out of like, you know, cheeseburger boxes or whatever. So... <laughs> <laughs> what was Get that in because i've got to like? see that oh man it's like uh dark star and like uh battle beyond the stars they use like the same shit design in like a bunch of Rom roger corman movies where he just he dumped or dive powerful mcdonald's uh things and just tape them to the like the walls to make it that's crazy uh yeah <laughs> Roger Corman him and like whoever like pretty much hoard themselves out to Roger Corman they came up with so many cool things all right so the uh, aliens are talking to their boss here we don't know what they're saying because it's all said in alien he's like those uh police commissioners with the mustache and he's like throwing coffee mugs like mah, mah, mah. you didn't get the gun what the hell is your problem people saw you you're gonna lose I'm gonna lose my job over this you're gonna lose your job over this they, you know it's like that whole bit and they're just they like they they literally one of them looks at the, the the other alien and the other one looks at the TV screen and it almost looked like the office <laughs> when he looked at the like the, the jump cut uh fucking you know I gotta I gotta get that. and then they show because they don't speak English or whatever they have to show clip of the movie as exposition to the yeah. aliens that already know what's going on. they're the reason look what happened we That's got you we got you idiots on film that that didn't happen that it, well yeah it did because they look magic movie box. <laughs> No, no, oh, no. Shit, that's got, a that's an alien that looks like me. That's not me. Yeah, those turtle guys are on Earth, dude. Yeah, they yeah, no. It's not like Predator, where it's like, oh no, yeah. It could have been any one of the Predators. Because Predators is like that. <laughs> so the aliens get sent back to take care of the weapon that was left behind, and we see a UFO U-turn in the middle of space. That's kind of cool. That was really cool. I liked that. Uh next thing we see is Tony Craig at the scene where the first weapon wielder was killed. It's just a black spot on the sand now. I don't know what he's what he thinks is there. It was like in the shape of like a Wiley cartoon, a Wiley Coyote cartoon though. Like when yeah. they shot him, it's like black. Like he even had a spot where the necklace was and crap. Yeah, yeah. You think he was That's there really to recover the try to recover the weapon? I think because like those guys are turtles, and the guy that had the thing was humanoid. You know, like whenever Billy, like especially when he starts wearing that necklace all the time, he gets started like green, and his forehead gets big and bulgy. Yeah. Maybe that guy was the first pet subject, and the man in black is out there to find that guy or recover the gun. I like, no that idea. guy knows a lot. I bet that's what's in that suitcase. It's like pictures of that green guy, you know, probably the is. Like, this is a six million dollar man, and he got a you know, laser gun, and we kind of, you know, we effed up. But it doesn't matter because, like, the turtles are on the case. The turtles are on the case, and they're gonna, they're. <laughs> Slow and surely, they're gonna get that gun, man. You know, it's gonna take them a while. I mean, they had to turn around in space. You know how long that takes? Pop it in, like drop, and then like boom. I'm surprised we didn't hear tires squealing when the spaceship was making oh, a yeah. U-turn. Like uh, space balls. Like I would have just loved go. it to like do a wish, a little fuzzy dice, and that. Uh, what is it? A little it's hula so... girl on the dash. Yeah, a little hula girl on the dash. I love that. <laughs> I'd be a turtle girl. It'd be cool. <laughs> They make toys, action figures of those turtle aliens. Oh, 
Yeah, uh, what is it? Reaction figures they put out. You get them on uh, the Full Moon website. They're like, oh, okay, you know, that makes sense. They're like old plastic Star Wars things. Okay, so next like... up we got the obligatory pool party. Okay, this I see one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is the birthday party, which uh, Billy decides to sleep through. Yeah, because he didn't sleep at all at that campground. He was asleep yeah. when we saw him when we first met him. He's trying to nap at the campground. Now he's going to sleep at the pool party. Oh, man, yeah. It's like everybody's having fun, and he's over there by his van. Also, the pool party, is seen, I mean, like, on the outside, when they do establishing shots, it looks like it's a nice, like, ranch style, like, nice, like, California home or something. Right. But when you're doing the pool party on the outside, it's... You can obviously tell that it's, it's like some like motel pool. Exactly. Middle, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Effort. It's definitely a motor lodge pool. It is not at somebody's yeah. house. Like Kathy's friend that's throwing the party. It's her Franny. Like, the fat yeah. Franny. It's, she's not really fat. She's just older and she's like got a really shitty perm. It was it, is no it just was. me or did she look like she was about 30? No, everybody's like 30. No, Franny's like 40 playing like a 20 year old. Everybody else is like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like 40 something how uh kim offers like in his 30s or in his he was 28 playing like a teenage movie and but if that character by the time he got to age that kim milford was and that was you know actually in the movie like it's weird like everybody's tiny like i think kathy's like the only one that looks age appropriate for her role the rest of them are like tell it maybe eddie Deason. well i mean they make them out like they're teenagers, you know. and apparently that's a thing in 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 Hollywood where you can actually make a lot more money if you can if you can look like a teenager, but not be a teenager, so that you, you, they don't have to uh, follow the same restrictions on the um, the number of hours you can work. Yeah, look at yeah, Carolyn she looks Monroe, so man. much older than the rest of them yeah, at this teenage birthday pool party thing. They got the cake. Is it a sheet cake? That's a nasty sheet cake. I don't know where um, they got the cake, but they probably Carvels or some something like that. That like, uh, that'd be out of their cake. budget, man. They spent all that money on explosives, oh. and they're gonna have to go to Safeway to get that cake. It's probably yellow cake. It's probably explosive <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's like hot dogs and sheet cake. The interiors of that house is nice, though, man. It looks like some kind of like, sleazy record producer's house like from the 70s it's it's you know i lived in a house that had that exact same wood paneling all the way through it and yeah orange shag carpet yeah it looks yeah. like uh it looks like uncle hot tub johnny's house or something <laughs> can i go over to uncle johnny's house no go back to sleep <laughs> all right whatever no one under 18's allowed at uncle johnny's house anymore yeah no <laughs> yeah i love the house but yeah, like, uh, so he wakes up out of his nap. He's all like hungover. I'm telling you, that kid's drunk. He's too moody. And uh, so he's like, he starts seeing like all these other guys that look like him in this house party. And he's like, you know, hey, you seen Kathy? She told me she'd be at the pool. Where's Kathy? And, you know, and uh, where's Kathy? Kathy is being harassed by Chuck and Froggy. Chuck and Froggy, man. And then, so of course, a fight ensues. And this fight That's... is hilarious. All right, yeah. The fight is hilarious. Froggy keeps jumping on his back and then jumping back onto the sofa, but trying to make it look like he was thrown off. It looks... <laughs> For a guy named Froggy, it looked really, really bad at Lee Frog. Like, this is not <laughs> like I, 
halfway on them. Uh, now I'll come back on. Someone's got like a tennis racket or like the world's biggest fly swatter and just knocks him out with it. I remember. She, uh, yeah, yeah, Kathy think, went and got the tennis racket and just starts beaning him with it. He backs in him in the face and he goes <laughs> flying like some superhero movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> into a closet. Then she takes it, takes the handle, like pops that Chuck guy in the ribs, and it looks like she broke every rib in his gut. I, Billy, like, I don't know what the hell he was doing, but like, she like just comes in like total Wonder Woman the hell out of everything. She should have been the hero of the movie. Like, she should have took that gun, like, just totally, like, oh, Billy. So, so that was their walking tall moment right there. Yeah. Was, yeah. was Kathy with the tennis racket just beating the crap out of everybody. Uh, next, we're at the sheriff's office. Tony Craig shows up and the sheriff, hey, he kind of poops a little. <laughs> I don't know how the sheriff knows Tony Craig, but he immediately knows that he's there for something important. He gives him a card or something. The sheriff's like one of those, he, he's playing the tough like the guy, you know, smoking a cigar. Put up, you know, and uh, the, the guy comes in and is like, you know, hey, when I come in, you know, you take your hat off, you put your smoke out, you know, you do this, you stand up nice, and you take your shirt, you know, I'm the FBI, this is what you do. Like, he doesn't say that, but he says, like, you know, you behave yourself when I'm in the room. His deputies are still bumbling dipshits, so they're not going to get anything. <laughs> but yeah, he, So Tony Craig wants the whole town sealed off because the night before, somebody blew up Chuck's car. Yeah, at the party. Oh, we skipped uh, this part. We did. It's, it was well, at the party. It's the closing in. Like, everybody's about to go to sleep. Billy sneaks away. He puts his little necklace on. He gets, and this is like, this is a cool setup. This is why I like this house. That's why I usually establish inside of this house because the driveway, you see the driveway, and it's like, it's got yeah. this nice, pit, like, bonsais and rock gardens and shit outside. And you see Billy is perfectly lined up, lit up like a Christmas tree up on this cliff. Right. And it's all one, like, nice shot. He makes this weird face. Of course, he's got the laser blast necklace on, so he's going to turn into this green monster kid. And it's blinking now. Yeah, it's doing it's got this blinking blue lights on it. It's not like a Christmas, like, where it's blink. It's like, it does, like, a little sequential, like, ding, 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 which is cool for, like, back right. in the day. Right. The necklace has flashing lights, but the control panel on the gun, no flashing lights. It's like, oh man, it's hard to describe that thing. It looks like like someone like if like you had your arm amputated, you would put it on like the way it hooks onto your thing. You know, it looks like a fake arm, but then it's like there's no mo mobility. It's kind of like that David Carradine movie uh, where he's like a Mad Max cop and he just yep. has like this he puts on and just starts. He shoots it once or twice and moving is done. So Billy blows up Chuck's car right there in the driveway. Uh, not while Chuck's in it, of course. Wait no, for yeah, Chuck like, to get out. It looks like Eddie's in there. He's in out in the car, like on the horn, right? And cuts back, and then he's with Franny and Chuck in the doorway. Like he ran into the thing after you see the car blow up three times. Which yeah, you can't kill the D's. And then Tony Craig wants the town sealed off. Nobody in or out until we find out what happened uh, uh, with the car blowing up. Meanwhile, Sheriff's been in other stuff too, right? I'm sure he has. I, I'm not sure what he's been in. I remember. I don't know. He's smoking a cigar like the whole damn movie. <laughs> he never lights the cigar. He's got it the whole time though. There's smoke all on the set though, but yeah, he never lights that damn thing. Yeah. So Billy finally goes to see the doc about the burn on his chest. Uh, but now it's turned into metal. 
this is a this scene really creeps the shit out of my friend Jake. I used to make him watch this a lot, uh, just to I don't know torture him with, and just some about like having this weird open wound that's like I don't know starting to like calcify, especially right in your chest is I don't know body horror, but yeah. it's gross. It is pretty gross. So the doc gives Billy an anesthetic and removes this metal disc from his chest, and he's going to send it off to a lab. The lab sounds super suspicious, too. He calls him up, and, hey, I'm going to bring you something. Probably won't be until midnight. You'll still be around, right? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not going to be until midnight. I have this theory about that. Okay. Uh, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Dr. Mellon was gay, and that scientist that he went and took the sample to was, like, maybe, like, a secret lover, like, a one town over or something. Because uh-huh. he drove all night with this sample, which they could have just sent. I mean, hell, they probably could have gone to the uh, FBI guy right then and there. Like, hey, this is some weird shit. But I guess they want to make sure it's alien. Anyway, like, why would he do that? Like, they could have it sent out i do know that federal express did exist in 1978 (laughs) yeah i know you get the pony express out there some shit some guy (laughs) but yeah he goes over there and they when they get there to the science thing they do this like you know like you know the classic uh science like montage or careers in science yeah in tests you know and they do that shit but they're like standing really close a lot of awkward posture like there's always one guy sitting at a desk and one guy standing and then like they get all their tests done but then like he doesn't get the he doesn't get the readout or something he just leaves before they do all that though billy blows the doc up yeah that's what i'm saying like he's leaving with the test results right and then billy's on the side uh, the side of the interstate no i i think the doc was on the way to the lab with uh whatever that specimen was because the next morning when the cops show up at the the site of the crash, Tony Craig is already there, and he finds the little metal disc, and then he's the one who takes it to the lab for them to do the tests on. That's where we find out it's not organic, it's not from Earth, and it's growing. I wonder if the the, the original guy had that, too, because when you see him in the beginning of the movie, he's dressed up like, I don't know, Spock. He's got, like, a blue, like, nylon shirt. Yeah. And, like, dress slacks so he kind of fell off the enterprise or something and then like here you go billy he never wears a shirt he never buttons his shirt when he is wearing one like i think that's like a whole thing like if he if he put a shirt on he wouldn't be infected with the radiation or whatever it is this thing runs off of well i mean they are in the desert and it's going to get cold at night so he's definitely going to put on a shirt for that i don't know man i just if he kept it locked up and stuff and only used it when he needed it i don't think he would have had (laughs) <laughs> a metal plate uh sternum right i want, I want like if if he could sell that like if he just started growing plates of metal in his skin well that's kind of what they suggested when they said that this metal thing was growing that eventually it would probably take him over and he would become a metal person i could take that yeah that would have made this movie a little bit more interesting yeah it'd be like uh oh uh, yeah yeah, I could, I could see that. The cops stop yeah. Billy and take him to the sheriff's station to be questioned by the sheriff and Tony Craig. No bullshit when they stop him, though, either. They're like, no, you know, goofing around. They, like, pull up on his driveway. Billy, Billy, Billy. Also, that guy, where he's saying that, like, 
it's from the point of view as if you're in the driver's seat. Yeah. And when they cut back to Billy, you could totally see where they had the like the the back of the van open to get the camera in there. Another goof. And of course, uh, Deputy Unger takes this opportunity on the way to the station to get a cheap shot in on Billy, uh, making sure that Billy wants uh, to take care of them too. We revenge. When Tony gets answers to his questions and decides Billy can go. But later yeah, that night, no. we see the cops pull over at a random gas station. It's not a random gas station. It's the same one. <laughs> it's the same exact gas station that he was getting schooled at earlier, and he drank the Coke at. I mean, it's got the same Coke yep. machine outside. It's the same exact. I, I was like, man, did they go to that same gas station? I guess the station. The one with the old man, and then the one with the working gas pump, and that's it. Of course, the deputy Pete, he's got to go take, you know, he's a bubbles cracker, so he's got to take a shit, right? <laughs> and poor skinny, uh, the the other guy, the skinny laughing guy, he goes and he's got to get a coat because he's probably got cotton mouth from all the, you know, grassy right. stones and shit. classic, yeah, setup. Deputy Younger gets exactly what's coming to him, and he gets blown up in the crapper. Billy blows up first the restroom, make sure we get that first, yep. then blow up the gas pumps to take out the other cop. That's great. Because that one, yeah, you can tell it was two explosions, but the way they filmed it, you get like six, seven good gasoline fireballs. <laughs> far away. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Like, I love that. Like, old stunt shit like that. Also, he's starting to get, Billy at this point, it's starting to get really kind of cocky and just malicious in his like behavior like yeah you can definitely start to see that transformation take place where he's going from i found this gun to i want to burn it all down yeah also the doctor really didn't do anything wrong no the doctor didn't do anything I, i don't understand why he blew up the doctor unless he was like threatened like he's gonna take his gun away like oh no man you're acting kind of you know sus i think you know you should put the laser gun down for like a little while get some help it was it was weird yeah he just out of that's the weird thing he just appears on the side of the road pops him like they blow up his car so we've got uh Two cars and a gas station blown up at this point, uh, for those of you keeping count. Next, we've got Billy and Kathy's love scene. And, of course, Billy falls asleep again. He's, I'm pretty sure that kid's a narcoleptic. His, high, his eyelids are, like, always half heavy or something. Like, I mean, it's some of his best acting when he's asleep. Like, they just probably kept him, like, on a bunch of Sanka and just like, oh, no, you're, you're great, baby. <laughs> Knock him out of the park. Get him more downers. Put him in front of the camera. This is when Kathy finds the pendant and um, notices that it looks about the same size as this burn on Billy's chest. So she puts it on him and sees him turn green and freaks out. Instant transformation. Face turn green, teeth turn into fangs. I thought it was like werewolf. It's like you slowly turn in that thing. But this is like not. Boom. It's on. It's like they turned a black light on him and all of his makeup started glowing. Instant Nightmare City. Also, in that scene where where it does do that, it looks a little bit different. Like, it looks more scary, more like a snake. And the other times, it it looks like an alien. But in that one, it does look like, it reminds me of uh, V. Like, it's very reptilian, like his eyes and stuff. The rest of the movie's not like that. Yeah, definitely. Like, it it was made that way. But yeah, he hisses, scares the shit out of chick. She freaks out. And then is this when he 
just goes totally ape shit on the entire town. I believe so, because the next note I have here says Tony Craig visits the colonel while Billy blows up a pinball machine. Oh, man. Yeah, I love pinball. <laughs> that, that, that goes back to like, it's like, yeah, it's like a photography choice. Like, and like, a, like, a, you know, what are we going to do to pad this out? Well, I got this old pinball machine. Loaded up with like you know explosives. <laughs> and this exchange like between uh, Tony Craig and the Colonel, there's supposed to be something there, but I don't think it ever actually made it into the movie. Yeah, there's a whole plot. Apparently, you know, the Colonel was uh, forced to take early retirement and is upset about not being able to make general. Yeah. But we never hear any mention of why or or how these two know each other or why he's even there. Yeah, it gets it gets kind of like uh, like Twin Peaks, like the army guy and that like he like he was part of like some kind of like blue book operation. Like you get that. Especially at the beginning, like when we're talking about like sand uh, dust or whatever, like right, he's always saying hush, 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 hush. And like you know, I don't know, it, it had to do with something with aliens, and maybe it had to do with like you know putting guns and necklaces on, going in the desert and acting ass. Maybe, but like there is like this whole subplot, you know, that the colonel was in on, but they're like. We can only get Keenan Wynn for like maybe a day. So they did Roland and just all the rest of the stuff they just cut. But you, yeah. What frustrated me with this scene is we never find out what he went there to ask the Colonel. Yeah. They just talk about his retirement. Yeah. Like he, I think that had to do with something that was in that briefcase, like we talked about earlier. Like probably. I wish it had, that had made it into the movie though, so we could know why he was even there. There's this one scene scene where um, they're in the cop place, right? And the the, the men in black is talking to the cops, you know? They pad that whole scene out with uh, the the goofy cops eating tacos outside. They're not even in the police station, just standing in the doorway eating tacos. How can you eat tamales this early in the morning? And then he's like... (laughs) forced in his mouth like in one bite so like i seen like that kind of stuff was probably adding where they cut that other stuff out yeah you're probably yeah. right there meanwhile chuck and froggy have got him a new car oh man how did they get that insurance money so because that's like one day they told him it was lightning yes actually got yeah and no, lightning they, struck the car they get they had like a kind of i mean it was a convertible it was kind of nice but it was kind of busted like you know right but then they get like this sweet cherry like 57 chevy right like with like white walls and like the whole nine yards like what kind of, i mean like i know they got the insurance money they had to, yeah, yeah. Act got that. you paying out triple on that <laughs> is that like bottom? And apparently Chuck and Froggy, they're awful, awful close. I mean, I understand they had to they had to sit real close to each other to get them in the shot, but um Froggy's in the girlfriend's seat there. Oh yeah. He's he's no, yeah, he's uh it's cause it's a uh, it's not it's not a bucket seat. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's a big bench seat, like, but Froggy's yeah. pushed right up against Chuck there, you know. <laughs> right where the gear shift is. <laughs> Maybe Chuck couldn't drive a stick and Froggy had to help. I don't know what's going on there. And they're going to race an airplane on the freeway. Yeah, see, that's where that's another thing. That's like the same airplane that from the beginning of the movie. It is. Because, so like, it, it, when I, I remember when I first saw this, and it wasn't the Mystery Theater, it, you, at that point in the movie, it gets really dark. Like, you start to think that the airplane is going out there to stay aliens and the aliens are killing billy 
and then like doing some kind of like time rip thing. It's not like that. It's, they're not that complicated. They're, they're these no. They're just <laughs> like they're leaving the car dealership that's right across the street from the airport. Also, in that airplane, there's like a, a sniper dude. Yeah, there is a, a sharpshooter in the airplane. They're definitely looking for Billy. Uh, Billy's out in the desert now, and the, the airplane they find him, and and they're trying to line up a shot. But Billy's a little bit faster, and he shoots down that, the airplane. He's like acting like I don't know, like a constipated uh, gorilla or something. He's doing this whole King Kong thing he's on the top. Definitely of doing King Kong in the desert. And it's like it's like on those Vasquez rocks, you know. It's like where they film all those Star Trek episodes and crap. But uh, yeah, the sniper in the airplane is director Michael Ray. Okay. Yeah, so that's the guy. You can he looks like a stunt man. He's doing a stunt. Yep. And uh, yeah, they take, they take a couple pot shots at Billy, and then Billy boom, yep. pops the thing. I don't think they show the airplane going down, but they do show. No, what they happened. just show it. Ex- I mean, they show it look like maybe it could be, and then there's an explosion behind some sand dunes. Yeah. That's yeah. They cut, and then they're like it's just like it like when it gets to the sand, when the camera gets to the sand dunes, it's like cut. And you're like, ooh, all right, that's the end of them. Right. So yeah. Fear snipers, no help against uh, alien pricks with laser guns. Now, Tony also, like, Craig is. Go ahead. I want to say, like this laser gun on this planet, dangerous as hell. Especially like when you give it to like some emotionally stunted, like you know, kid. But I think really that the thing in like in, in outer space, it's 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 pretty much like a Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's extremely dangerous to us, but to like them, like a little pop gun that you'd get like at a gas station. Well, it's obviously important enough to make the aliens, to get the aliens in trouble with their boss. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look who they gave it to. I mean, look who ended up with it. So now Tony Craig is with Kathy, and he's trying to find out where Billy is. And this scene made no sense to me at all. You see a cop car drive by on the freeway and then yeah. Kathy runs to the door and Tony Craig runs up behind her wanting to know if that was Billy. Yeah, they're scattering. They don't know. They're looking for a plot now. They, no one knows who to follow what. You're following the airplane. You're following like Froggy. You know, Billy's gone like complete Jim Carrey, you know, like with a laser gun on everybody. Um like did they did he he blew up the frog the froggy in the dude's car right? He did blow up like Chuck that, and Froggy. Yep, blew him up right in the middle was, of the freeway. Yeah, like I mean that car like was still on fire rolling down the interstate, which that was hellacious. That was a cool shot. And then when it rolls to the end, it looks like it's off in a field somewhere. Like it's not even in the interstate, and then it just ex- it, like it's already on fire and then it explodes like two more times. Now you get a pretty clear shot of the stunt driver. Yeah. During this. So it looks like there's a spaceman, an astronaut driving this car. <laughs> yeah. No sign of foggy. Chuck's been replaced by a human baked potato. Yeah. And Billy has been picked up by a hippie in a, I, in a Volkswagen microbus. Which I have a theory about that thing. I think that was the original work van. And then they blowed the shit out of it. <laughs> um, but not okay yeah he picked up by a hippie who is telling billy how he ran straight into betty crocker yelling you never outgrow your need for milk 
Yeah, he is totally <laughs> just off. I don't know what was going on there. But I think they just wrote some lines down and said, this will sound crazy. Let's do that. Yeah. That's what them hippies sound like when they drink all that Kool-Aid. Put them out yeah. there in camera. He looks like uh, the the second crazy route from the Friday 13th. Like he's got like a glazed like eye. Like, <laughs> completely glazed over like milk toast. And like the other one's like, you know, wild. And he's like got a scuzzy beard. Right. And he's all about like helping some kid like on the side of the road with a laser gun. Just like his crazy shit at him. And then uh, the Star Wars. Yeah, but well, first Billy, uh, and we have already talked about how um, how this gun is not maneuverable, but somehow Billy manages to blow the hippie right out of the van with it. And then, no, he shoots the Star Wars thing first. He did shoot the Star Wars sign, yeah. And he's like, and then that scares the hippie, and then he points, yeah, like somehow he like just maneuvers it in toward him, totally going through the the van, and then he kind of like gives the hippie a smile. And then just like pops him out like an ejecto seat, like the door cleanly <laughs> comes off. There's oh, like disintegrates the hippie. You don't see him. There's no like burn char. No, nope. you know, like earlier just in the gone. Movie when, just gone. Just gone. And the van drives a lot smoother now. It does. <laughs> it, that like, door was what was wrong with the van. Once you get rid of that door, the van runs great. Air condition. You got the you know nice breeze. <laughs> I can unbutton my shirt again, you know. Oh man, it's great. I love so, that part. And then like yeah, he's just driving down the highway on the four oh four with no door whatsoever. Exactly. Headed straight to an abandoned city, apparently, where he just starts shooting everything. Meanwhile, the FBI and you know, Kathy are driving around some small Arizona town screaming, Billy, Billy, where are you? <laughs> He's just blowing up. Yeah, he's in southern southern LA, just blowing it up. That's why they can't find. Yeah, him. he's on it. It looked like a Sesame Street set. It really did, except none of the buildings had windows. You know what that set's from? What that old set is left over from the Saint Valentine's Day massacre. No kidding. No kidding. If you look at the sign, what it says, one of the businesses is it's the it's the factory that they gunned down all those dudes in. Oh hell, okay. So, it kind of makes sense when they're like, yeah, this is where all the killing is going on. It's like these four city streets that look like Chicago, but is in the middle of Arizona for some reason. And like, yeah, you got like three or four foot story built or yeah, story buildings, you know. And um, yeah, it's like a bunch of brownstones and, and yeah, and Billy's totally just blowing everything up. He's blowing up the mailbox. He's blowing up everything. He's doing his uh, best, Peter Frampton, like like. <laughs> billowing you know it's kind of like uh what's his name from uh led zeppelin he's trying to be cool you know he's trying <laughs> he's trying to you expect to see him air guitar the the laser gun <laughs> yeah uh what from police academy when he did jimmy hendrix like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so about and this time tony sudden, and kathy uh pull up yeah and at found- the same time the aliens land on the roof of the building. Tactically. And Billy gets rainbowed to death. Rainbowed, yeah. I don't know. See, I they were using a very different gun this time. Theirs looks like like a leaf blower or like a, like a weed whacker or something. One of those looked know? exactly like a weed whacker. It did. One of them, like, one was a weed whacker. I'm pretty sure the other one, the one that was like, I guess he was a scientist one, his looked like a metal detector. 
Yep. And like one of them was, you could tell, like especially one was like a nerd, and the other one was like a grunt. Yeah. Like I don't know, I told that, figured that out, but like I just I watched some sci-fi, you know, that's what you send, you know, Star Trek. Right. You know, gave me a you know a scientist and a bunch of red shirts, and let's go take care of them. <laughs> that this they're that alien race, like everybody's a red shirt. Like they're all, I don't know how they got they got you know space traveling. So I guess they were just using the wrong gun before because it shot out a, a you know a much different laser beam and it disintegrated the man but left the weapon behind. Yeah. This time it shoots out a rainbow colored beam and the weapon disappears but it leaves Billy behind. Yeah, fully like intact, clothes and all that. Yeah, and just dead on the sidewalk. Like he just got blown up. He's just like causing havoc. And like sometimes, so it looks like he just came out of the shower. He's just like laying on the street. Yeah, he's not green anymore. He's just no. dead. Kathy, he looks a mess. The <laughs> Men in Black Mafia guy, he's sweaty as hell. <laughs> and Milford, like you know, like Fair Fawcett, like in a shampoo commercial, just like fresh. And credits. And then credits. And that is Laser Blast. Laser Blast. Pew, pew. (laughs) I don't like that movie. Uh, No, it was not a good movie, but it was fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's highly entertaining. Uh, Movie, not really. um, I don't know, like if I had a fever and I did like some Diamond Tap or something, I just like passed out and it was on the TV, I would giggle. I would giggle. Yeah. But... I don't know. It's got a lot of great history. It seems like a, a lot of people that knew their craft and they, they knew they're like just doing a paycheck, you know, it's just punching the clock. But hey, right. It's good. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie's so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.